everyone. Helping parents heal, assist bereaved parents in very significant ways. It provides personal and specialized support, tips and tools for finding hope for those parents whose children have passed. It offers much needed peer support, which aids in the healing process, going a step beyond other groups because it supports the open discussion of spiritual experiences and evidence for the afterlife in a non-dogmatic way. Everyone is welcome, regardless of religious or non-religious background, allowing for open dialogues for those to wish, who wish to share their personal afterlife communications. I'm truly both delighted and honored to have been asked to introduce some of the enlightened presenters who are at this conference. These insights provide uplifting interviews comprising a special new series on grief and rebirth podcast that will illumine the wondrous healing work of helping parents heal. The organization's sole mission is to help other parents who have also lost their precious children, ensuring them that they need not walk alone through their profound grief. Thank you. Next interview, in this series is with Andrea Curry, a Master of Education who is an award-winning entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, and a sound healing meditation guide. In 1997, Andrea founded Grandma Emily's Granola in Montreal, Quebec, and starting from her home kitchen, she grew her company and its product line to include granola cereals, bars, snacks, and gifts. A single mother with three children, little money, and no child support, Andrea's business plan was one line, don't give up. 18 years later, with sales from coast to coast, the company was sold. Andrea imagined lazy days of retirement ahead filled with nothing but time, but a larger role awaited, that of caregiver to her daughter, Chloe, who was ill with cancer. After a difficult year, Chloe passed in 2016. She was 28 years old. About six weeks after Chloe's death, Andrea sat down to write her a letter, the kind of letter a mother writes to help express her grief. Fully expecting to burn the letter upon completion, her world changed when Chloe answered back. There began a five-month-long conversation touching on everything from what Chloe was experiencing out of body to 12 steps to bridging across the veil. The result was Andrea's first book, Conversations with Chloe, a mother and daughter dialogue across the veil. Wanting to understand more about how grieving mothers handle this huge loss, Andrea joined Helping Parents Heal. From those conversations came her second book, the book she wished she could have read when Chloe passed, titled Magical Thinking, Not. I'm looking forward to talking with Andrea about her near-death experience, her automatic writing, her two wise and wonderful books, and I can truly say from my heart that they are, the ways her group sessions help people to heal, and more for what is going to be a fascinating, warm, and uplifting interview. 
It's so wonderful to welcome you to Greece. Thank for you. Podcast. Thank you for that introduction. My pleasure. Wow. My pleasure. Your connection to spirit was kindled by a near-death experience more than 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Please describe it to us and tell us how it changed your beliefs and augmented your abilities to connect with and hear the spirit world, which is so amazing. Oh, there's no, yeah, there's no how question. How did this happen for you? It. Uh, a near-death experience, um, it's interesting because it's something that fundamentally shifted my whole life as soon as it happened, yet I didn't share it or talk about it for 25 years. It was so precious to me that I didn't need to share it and have anybody else question the validity, but yet it changed everything. So in a nutshell, very quickly, I woke up one morning and just as I was waking up, I had a vision. And it wasn't a dream because I could remember every detail of this vision. I didn't have any trouble remembering it. And I saw an accident. I saw my husband and I walking down a snowy sidewalk. I saw a car. I even saw the color and the make of the car come from behind, hit us. I heard my husband speak and scream. And then it was over. The kind of screen went blank. And I got up and I had my whole day. And that night, at 10 past 10, we were coming out of a reception. The timing of it was incredible. Amazing. So anyhow, down the steps we went, down this very snowy sidewalk. I live in Montreal, big snowstorm. It was December, and it's exactly what happened. So as I was hit from behind, I never saw the car, but I knew that I, was, I had been prepared for it. So I was like, Andrea, just let go. Don't worry. I even heard my husband scream the exact words I had heard that morning. So it was like, time is really elastic. You know, there really is no such thing as time. And what happened with your husband? Well, it was interesting because he went over the car, smashed the windshield, and went into a snowbank. I was hit. I went the other way, 35 feet down the road. It was a very large boulevard, but luckily no other car hit me. And I stopped in the middle of the road, and I came out of my body. And all of a sudden, I was about nine feet above looking at the scene, and there was a party going on. So I looked back at the house, and I saw all these people coming out of the party. And every, there was panic. It was pandemonium. And all the women, of course, in their nice Christmas wear and, and all this. All coming. I'm watching them coming out to help us, and I'm trying to tell them, put a coat on, put a coat on. What are you doing? You know. But nobody hears me. And I look at this body on the ground, and I recognize the coat. I said, wait a minute. That's my red coat. And You're seeing I, yourself. I'm seeing myself. And I said, but wait, I'm here. And I was completely and fully my consciousness nine feet above my body. I know. And then the scene didn't matter. Nothing mattered. And I just felt myself enveloped in this magnificent cocoon of peace, really. Nothing hurt. I had no pain at all. And I just moved away from the scene, and the scene didn't matter to me anymore. You were ready to go home? Well, I was ready to do something, but I was asked. Because at one point, I ended up somewhere, and there was this magnificent figure in front of me. And I would say it was maybe, I don't know, 10 feet high. It's hard to describe because I didn't see a face, but I could feel this incredible presence, and then they spoke to me. 
And the first thing he said was, Andrea. And I was like, do you know my name? <laughs> I was amazed, you know. How could you know a little old me? He says, do you want to stay or do you want to go? And I had three little children. My children were one, three, and five. I said, I must go back. So then he asked me again. He says, Andrea, do you want to stay or do you want to go? And I said, I got to go. And at that moment, I was thrown into, I'm making this really short for the purposes of, of this, but the point is, is that it's all so blows your mind completely that it changes you forever. So I was thrown into this vortex, and I could feel that I had hands and feet holding on to this thing because it was spinning so fast and so hard. I said, I'm going to get thrown out of this if I don't hang on. And then it slammed me back into my body. And then all of a sudden, you probably felt pain. Uh, well, yeah, I woke up. But my first, first thought was, please, Lord, don't let me forget this. Don't let this be wiped out of my memory because this is too incredible. Wow. What happened to your husband? We both ended up in the ambulance with the neck brace and the this and the that. And they did all the x-rays and all the tests. And neither of us broke a bone. That's the car was totaled. Yeah, neither of us broke a bone. I had a lot of rehabilitation. It took me a whole year. My body was black and blue. But two weeks after that happened I said wait a minute I said no actually I said it as they were loading me in to the ambulance I said something someone has gone to a lot of trouble to warn me to protect me I am not going to live a life without love and that was it wow. and I knew so right that was then. sort of the message oh yeah in a way that you and of course you know I've heard since then from my other children mom why did you have to get the crap knocked out of you for you to know that it wasn't, you know, the way you should go. And of course, you know, it's not that simple when you're a mother and you have children and obligations and, and you think, well, it's till death do us part. And then I said, wait a minute. I did. I did die. This is a new me. This is a new you life. kind of rebirth. Exactly. Exactly. And so I asked him to leave two weeks later and he did. He did, yeah. But it didn't mean that it was an easy road. It was a very tough road, yes. But that's when the really amazing things began to happen. Like such as? Such as my grandmother came to me, uh, just her voice in my head. She had passed, and she said, go get my books. I'm like, what books are you talking about? And she explained to me exactly where her books were, where they were, in whose basement, and that I should get them and I should read them. So I found these books. I started reading them. What were they they about? were called the Masters of uh, Masters of the Far East. Masters and Teachings of the Far East. Yeah, I can't remember. Like, what are you trying to tell me, Grandma? And I couldn't read them. I didn't understand them. Life and teachings. The life and teachings of the masters of the Far East. And there was a series of five books. And all the books were scribbled with my grandmother's notes throughout. And I just couldn't understand them. I said, sorry, Grandma. I don't know what to do with this stuff. I put it away. But then I went back to it two years later. And you probably understood it. In a I, more way. and more. And I'm sure if I read it now, I would understand it even, even more. more. And it was a validation that she was with you because to give you that message and go and find those books was amazing. Oh yeah, but that was just one of many, many things. I mean, I'll give you another crazy validation. I'll give you another crazy one. Bring them all 
Oh my God. So I was really had no money, but um, my divorce cost me $1,100. I know that's crazy. That's $1,100 for him. (laughs) (laughs) But I was thinking, oh my God, how am I going to pay this $1,100 bill? My mother had just resolved and finished my grandmother's estate. I get the bill. Two days later, my mother calls me and says, you know, we finished up the whole estate. We've given all the money out to everybody that grandma, you know, as per her wishes. And she said, I don't know why, but I really think that this last little small amount you should have. And she hands me a check, and it's for like $1,109. Oh, my God. It was exactly the amount of my divorce. I took that to the That's bank amazing. and I was crying all the way to the bank. Yeah. Grandma coming really came through. Really for came through. Wow. But this is the grandmother who also in 1997 said, "Go get a picture. Take that picture. Go make a logo. We are going into business." And that's Grandma Emily. And I said, "Well, what are we going to do?" And she knew before I knew that I would need to be self-sufficient. She knew before I knew that my ex-husband was going to get into some kind of financial difficulties and stop all child support. So she said, well, we're going to make granola. She had always made it, and I had always made it. And so we did. And I started the business. And people always think that I was some kind of crack entrepreneur, amazing. How did I you love start that part this? in your book because you're so real and you talk about what a struggle it was and how sometimes you had to deal with rejection. Oh, yeah. Because you would bring your granola, which was better than anyone's, and they'd say, Yeah, but we have a deal with the bit, right? Oh. Am I right? Oh. We have a deal yeah. with the, I'm remembering. Yeah. yeah. He'd show me a pallet of oats and granola and say, Well, we love your product, but guess what? We can't buy it because we just got this pallet for free from Kellogg's. So how do you compete with that? You just can't. But you just keep going and keep going. And that's it. I started that business because she pushed me to do it. And from Quebec, it became across the country. Well, not worldwide, just countrywide. Yeah. Still, that's really amazing. It was amazing. But the whole thing was amazing because I really, I incorporated the company. I created a logo, I had the product, and then I had no idea what to do. What's the next step? How do you actually go into business? And I, I go to the vet with my cat, and I see a woman there who looks at me, and we did yoga together. And She said, I'm putting on an event at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel, which is the largest hotel in Montreal with 1,100 rooms. And she said, you know, we're doing a breakfast, but we don't want to do croissant because it's really a healthy breakfast. We're looking for a great product. I thought, well, I make a great granola, but hey, if you want it. And then I figured out I needed to make 80 kilos, which is about 50 pounds of granola. Like, how was I going to make 50 pounds of granola? Anyway, I did. So I made the granola, and I brought it to the Queen Elizabeth Hotel, and... um, I was there that day when they served it, and people were asking me, where do I buy it? Where do I buy it? And I'm like, you "You can't buy it. I don't know, you know? And that's when the light bulb went off in my head. I'm like, okay, Grandma, I get it. I see, I see this was the next step. So then, it took me two weeks. I screwed up the courage, and I called the chef. I called the executive chef of the biggest hotel in Montreal. It took me a while to get him on the phone. And he said to me, Andrea, I hated it. Come and see me tomorrow morning at 6. So I knew he didn't hate it, but I knew that was like my first test. 
you know? So it's like spirit opened the door, but then I had to walk through. That's true. That's the way it is, right? That's they it. tell us, they, I got the message podcast, but I had to execute. That's right. Right? We have to, we yeah. have to do the work. We have to do the work. So now I have to ask you about your precious daughter, Chloe. Yes. Who's such an important part of yes. this whole conversation. Sure. Tell us about her, which I know is... Well, a pleasure for you. And why do you call the year she died both difficult and blessed? Well, I had finally sold my business. Imagine, I worked day and night. Like, I used to sleep so little. And then in 2015, I sell my company. Hallelujah. I put a knapsack on my back, and I'm in Italy. And then I get a call. Chloe is sick. You have to come home. But I had sold the business, so I had time. So it, that was so the blessing. In a way, divine timing, even that though. That was the blessing. The blessing was I could take care of her. And so we went up north, and I was with her for the last year of her life. And her brother had been away at school, and he said, Mom, I can't study geology when, you know, you're with Chloe. So he came back, too. And we had a difficult year because, you know, it's tough. Oh, my dying. God. It she was dying. And she was dying. She was doing chemo, and, oh my God. and there were so many things about it that were so hard, and um, but there were things about it that were blessed, you know, like I said to her uh, one day, like, what would you like to do today when she was still mobile? She said, Mom, I want to have a normal day, and that hit me. She wanted to have a normal day. I said, okay, what's a normal day? She said, I want to get dressed, I want to put on makeup, and I want to go to the mall. Oh, and that was no small thing, you know, the wheelchair and the mall and the parking, but we did it. So that's why it was a blessed year. That's yeah. fabulous. And she also got to connect more with her brother. That's right. Who came in, which that's I would think that would be a tremendous blessing and probably gave him a lot of closure when that time came. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. so you tell us about how this amazing and i read the book and i loved your book and Thank tell you. us and it's so wise and i really recommend it to people how did your five month long conversation with chloe i mean tell us first of all how automatic writing came to you and then you automatic you did automatic writing you have this five month long conversation with chloe and then it comes your first book with all this wisdom that she channeled to us yeah could you it's tell crazy. us about that? I mean, it's amazing. When, you know, when you look back and you connect the dots, you realize the whole thing actually makes incredible sense. I was um, off to work one morning. It was 2010, and a voice in my head said, do not go to work. Close that door, come back, sit down, and start writing. I was like, whoa, okay. I never missed work. Like, I never missed work. Well, you you've know? been working hard your whole life. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That was your whole... I was my whole thing was to provide for these children. So I closed the door, I sat down, and I started writing. Now the words would just come to The words would come, but the coolest part is, it's not like you had to be in any crazy trance or do some whole complicated ritual. No, I just sat down and I just started writing. And I could take a break and I could have lunch and I came back and I could keep writing. Wow. I know. Did you ask her questions or the information? No, no, that wasn't Chloe. This was in 2010 and the first person who came through, believe it or not, I know this sounds crazy, but the first person who came through was Abraham Lincoln. Wow. And he gave oh, I me. I remember reading about the. Yes. He gave me 6,000 words, perfect words, nothing to correct. I never corrected a word. And I have it because it was pen and paper. It wasn't like I took it on the computer. 
and then other people came. And this went on for two years, and then it stopped. And then I was like, oh no, somebody cut off my right arm. What did I do? What did I do? Exactly. What did I do wrong? How do what I get I, this back? Exactly. I thought maybe I didn't publish it, maybe I didn't share it, what happened. And then I heard, no, Andrea, you've done it. That was training. You don't need it anymore. And I said, ah, that is wise. And so I didn't know what was going to come next, but I just had faith, you know. That's what I really had to do was build my faith and let go of doubt. Because they're there to talk to us. They love us and they want to communicate, but we have to let go of doubt and that's hard. Absolutely. That's let hard. them in and all let of that kind in. of thing. Get that's right. Get that skepticism. Oh, yeah. So now I have to ask you yeah. how conversations with Chloe yeah, I know. And then you have twelve, and then she actually yeah. channels you twelve steps to bridging across yeah. the veil. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know. I know. Well, and I'm teaching. I'm teaching entrepreneurship. I'm teaching in university, and I'm thinking, there's no way I want to, you know, really let this get out there. What are people going to think? But five weeks after she passes, I'm writing her letter, and just as I'm about to burn the letter in my little wood stove, I hear her, and she says, Mom, you're so easy to find, it's a joke. And it's exactly her voice, exactly her tone, exactly her sarcasm, her, her sense of humor. I'm like, whoa. She said, you know what, Mom? You pray a lot. And she said, when you pray, your light shines, and we see your light. Oh, wow. Yeah, every prayer, they see the light. So she said, Mom, you pray so much, your light shines. That's a beautiful thing for people watching yeah. podcasts. About. Yeah, our prayers are real. Wow. I said, do you mean our prayers are real? She says, yeah. Wow. I know. So she said, and you know what's so cool? She said, open your laptop, we're going to start. And she said, you are not allowed to change or edit or touch my words. She said, you can do whatever you want with your words, but you can't touch my words. I said, well, then they better be perfect, girl. Like if, you know. If you're giving it to me, if you're giving it, it to, me, to me good. You better give it to me good. And you know another thing she said? She said, try this, Mom. You can type with your eyes closed her words, and I won't make any mistakes. Oh, my God. I know. Did you try that? Yeah. And it worked. And it worked. Oh, my God. Oh, no, it was crazy. It was crazy. That's really something. So she would uh, sort of dig her chin. It was a really annoying habit she had when she was in her body. And she would dig her chin into my shoulder, which actually hurts. But that would wake me up at like 4.30 in the morning. And I'd say, OK, hi, Chloe. And I'd open my laptop, and then we would start. And one day, I said to her, I said, this is the most extraordinary, healing, amazing thing that has ever happened to me in my life. A lot of amazing, I mean, the near-death experience was amazing, and my grandmother was amazing, but nothing comes close to this. So I said, how do we help? Because that's the first thing we want to do, right? Right. It's like, how do we help other people right. With this. experience this too? Right. So she said, OK, I'm going to give you the 12 steps to bridging. And it took five days for me to take down that material. And I am like a super healthy eater. For those five days, all I could do, I ate Tostitos and chips. And I needed salt. I needed like, no I just. Granola? No, no <laughs> granola, which is very unusual. All my kids ate so much granola. But that's what I did. I took this down 
over five days. And I do, I love to do workshops on 12 Steps to Bridging. And if you permit me, I would like to read you just number one. Oh, please do. Because she told me, Mom, you can say them all, in, you can do them all in any order you want, except for number one. Oh, please do. Number one has to be first. Okay. And of course, number one is the toughest one. Because when you have a child that passes, the, the pain, the grief, the, you don't even know how to deal with that grief. You don't even know how to handle it. It's like your heart is open and bleeding. Right. It's like, you don't know. So when she gave me this, I'm like, whoa. Okay, so number one is that all is as it should be. You have to be there in that space. It's, that sounds like acceptance. Yeah, she says fundamental to this initiative is the understanding that all is as it should be with the world. Hmm. There is much evidence to contradict that statement. Ignore it. This is the toughest step. It's called acceptance. And then it goes on. All is as it should be. This applies to all things in life and death. Not only are there no mistakes in life, just lessons, but there are no errors in death. And it goes on. So I took it all down, and number six of these 12 steps was raise your vibration. And I had been doing a meditation class with a few people since right after I had my near-death experience. And I had been sitting in a room with a crystal bowl being hit, and the relief and the peace that it brought and the connection to spirit was amazing. And so when I took this information down, she said, Mom, go for it. Go do it. This is what you can do to help oh, beautiful. people. And I became sound healing And we're going to talk about that in yeah. a little while. Tell everyone about that. There's something else she talks about that I yeah. think is so important. Yeah. She talks about the power of apology and forgiveness. Oh, yeah. And Do it I, now. And, and the reality yeah. that, and of course with the reality that only the physical body is discarded, but can you tell us about the importance yeah. of that? Yeah. So many people do not want to apologize and they're holding on to their grievances and they don't want to let them, forgiveness is really letting it go, right? Letting it go, but it's, it's, it's more, it's finding peace, you know, with what's happened. Like digging deeper so that you catch the lesson and you can really then let go. It's not just letting go, it's really um, finding, yeah, and finding peace with it. It's forgiving. And it's interesting because my father came to me after he passed and he wanted to apologize for something. I said, you're telling me now. I said, why didn't you tell me when you were here, you know? And he said, you know, I didn't have the same perspective. I didn't know what I know now. I didn't see what I see now. And I thought, what a shame that is. And it's often like that. There's also some solace in that for us because our loved ones, once they cross, will know us in a way that they don't know us now. They will see into our hearts. I think they, they get the big us. picture, don't they? Yes. Andrea, they, they really see it from a universal perspective. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's right. So yeah. amazing. So, yeah, the forgiveness piece and do it now. 
don't wait till you cross and then you're trying to make the connection and then you say I'm sorry no do it now plus that way when you leave you leave you're free you're free. do your work while you're here do your work while you're here so and the other thing Chloe states is that both big and small acts of love matter yes that love makes us whole yeah AOLs acts of love tell us about <gasps> that and so that's really fun. a return to love right yes yeah acts of love so uh, my partner John and I it's this is the gentleman that I write about in the book um, we do that sometimes like okay how many AOLs have we done for each other today it's only 9 a.m. and you already made me coffee and I already did this and you did that and AOLs matter acts of love yeah and the most important it's the, the most, most important, important thing you know what I used to say to myself a lot I mean I used to say don't be afraid of tomorrow because God is already there it's like you know and God is love so don't be afraid don't be afraid it's letting go that fear and just it's a journey though it is a journey it's a journey it, it doesn't happen over you have to be conscious it's about becoming conscious yeah every day aware. it's like a, it's like a muscle you develop every yeah, day yeah so tell me about now we're getting to the sound healing yeah your presentation to helping parents heal is titled wellness through sound meditation how is Chloe your well we learned how Chloe was your catalyst to share sound healing with others yeah and tell us what happens during a sound healing meditation event and how are they each the same yet slightly unique ah uh, well you know sometimes people ask me why don't you uh, record them why don't you record them now the ones that I do for helping parents heal we do every month on zoom and they do record them and each session is the same in that it's very casual everybody's very relaxed and I guide them with the different instruments now what kinds of instruments do you well use? I use crystal so I use quartz crystal which are the bowls I use metal also Tibetan bowls and I use drums and so have you been guided to what you're supposed to use totally totally sometimes I do something called and I didn't even know it had a name I've been doing it so long and then I heard that it has a name and it's called light language and light language is the coolest thing that's when you really trust and you really let yourself go and you really let spirit come through you and sing and sometimes it's so loud and powerful it, it just it even like scares me but I do it with a drum and sometimes I do it with rattles and sometimes with chimes and you're and being told all the time all what the time. to do and, and where to go with this yes yes and when I do live sessions I can often sort of feel who needs what in the room and it can be very harmonious very peaceful but then I feel oh somebody's energy is really really stuck and you know how you can tell sometimes people start going they start rubbing a joint and maybe there's an ache and that's when I'll bring out a percussion that maybe doesn't have that gentle harmonious sound but oh boy does that move the energy you know wow. and they'll tell me afterwards that exact moment when you did those rattles oh it just went pow and everything began to flow that's so, amazing yeah so that's why each session is the same but, but it's different, different because you're really feeling the needs of the of people who yeah. are with you yeah and sound healing you say help people to access deep peace yeah increase their well-being and raise their vibration so do people who have sound healing actually access their loved ones in spirit are they able to like yeah. have this miracle happen and they get it's not a miracle too? yes 
It's not a miracle. Well, for them, it's uh, probably them, a miracle. Yeah, but, no, no, it's not a miracle. It's the fact that we are raising our vibration and they are coming down just ever so slightly and then yes we get together it's amazing it's happened to me when it happens to somebody you never forget it it's extraordinary wow, that is yeah. fabulous. it really is something yeah 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 i used to think who am i that i could try to guide people to have these incredible encounters with their loved ones but it was happening and even on zoom and even with somebody maybe who was in england and i was in canada no, it didn't matter they get here they they they, they, they feel and they get that heart activation that opens up oh and they see gosh. their loved ones sometimes they they might see their parents like in their you know and address their mother always wore and they might speak to them they might hug them they might smile at them it could be i've had all kinds of things happen wow that's so amazing yeah so now tell us about all your workshops because you offer several yeah workshops don't I you do. i do i do everything i do i never charge believe it or not there's no charge ever for anything related to sound and what i do is i ask people to pay it forward if you liked it you had fun pay it forward and let us know what you did let us know who you helped or how you channeled you know that um experience into helping somebody else you know that's so generous it's really but it's so so it's so fun it feels like it's the right thing to do so yes i love to do the 12 steps to bridging that's really fun tell us about that yeah so we get together and we go through them and people spend time on each step and um Sometimes we might do some psychometry too, which can be fun depending on who's in the room. And different psychometry is the physical. Psychometry is is let's say uh, without looking, everybody puts a piece of something that they mm -hmm. own, a piece of jewelry in a basket. Then you'll pick out a piece of jewelry and 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 sort of talk about the person. And so it's just to help to raise everybody's sensitivities. And I can do other uh, exercises where we just fool around because people don't really think they can do it, but they can. You know, so if they let go of the doubt, they let go of the worry, they let go of the stress, and just kind of have fun. It's like, okay, so tell me who's in the room with you, and tell me what they're saying, and what do they look like, and you know, and they're reading somebody else, and it ends up they're right on because they're not thinking, they're not caring, they're not trying to prove anything. How enlightening for them. It's really amazing. How amazing for yeah. them. And tell us about your Life After Life workshop. Yes. Well, that's more like a, um, it's more like a lecture that has bits of sound. So I always will bring my sound things to the lecture. And after about 20 minutes of speaking, it's like, okay, you've had enough listening to me. Now you just get to experience. And so then I'll bring in sound. And then I'll go back and I'll talk about some of the material in this book. And then I'll bring in sound. And we do it that way. Wonderful. And I mean, it's, to me, it's just so blessed that you're channeling all of this. And it's coming through you like this. So much healing. And I know that you recruited parents from Helping Parents Heal to share their stories of resilience, love, and science of mm. life after life. They contributed to your second book, yes. Magical Thinking Not. Yes. So how about sharing some heartening stories? Oh, I'll, I'll share one. How I got the title. And um, 
Yeah, we were sitting around. Sure, thanks. We were sitting around a dining room table on a Sunday, all these helping parents heal moms, and their stories were riveting. And I said, ladies, ladies, do you mind? I'm going to push record on my phone, and we'll just see what happens. And it was really extraordinary, the signs that they received from their children and the healing journeys, the grief and the healing journeys. So one of the mothers, um, she lost her three children in a car accident. And her eldest, uh, her eldest's name is Andrea. So when we met, there was an instant connection between the two of us. And she showed me something. Two years after the accident, there was a report that she had to do. She had to go visit a psychiatrist. And so for the insurance company, in this report, it says, Mrs. J uh, seems to be relatively fine, but yet she's, she's insisting that uh, her children are around her and that she's in fact being guided by them. And notwithstanding this magical thinking, uh, we think that she will, you know, somehow make it through. It's not magical thinking. It's a fact. It's a fact. And that's why I called the book Magical Thinking Not Not. It's a fact. They are alive and her children have communicated with me many times for their mom. And it happened to me also. It happened to me back the first time it ever happened to me, way before uh, Chloe passed, was in 2006. And I was brushing my teeth. Often you get communication from spirit when you are out of your mind. If you iron, which nobody does anymore, but brush your teeth, vacuum, it's a great time. It's actually for me when I got the first message that Saul had to go, I was washing dishes. At exactly. Oh, that's one of the best spots. When you have your hands in dishwash, oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. It's a fantastic <laughs> time. Through. Yes. I was like, what am I thinking? No, that's right. So I had this young man came through and he said, Tell them I'm fat and happy. Tell them I'm fat and happy. And my first clue was that it wasn't me was he just kept repeating that phrase, tell them I'm fat and happy. So I put down my toothbrush and I said, who is this? And he told me his name and I went, oh, he had passed two weeks previously. So he said, would you do me a favor? Take a letter and give it to my mother. Oh boy. I said, okay. Wow. I did. Five page letter and then what do I do? How do I call his mother and I tell mean, him? Did you know her? I knew her. From a distance, yes, but I didn't know her. Hello, I have something. Yeah. But one of the neatest things was he told me and showed me that he, he sort of showed me a movie that he was mowing the lawn and he mowed the word fat into the grass. So when I said this to his mother, she said, oh, that's weird. She said, it's true. He, he always felt he was too skinny and wanted to be bigger. Anyway, we had a communication that went on for quite some time, and I would call her, and it gave her a lot of solace. But then he said to me one day, call my brother, call my brother, you have to call my brother. And this was like a few years after the fact. Did you also know his brother? I didn't know his brother at all. I called his brother, and I told his brother about the lawnmower and about mowing the word fat into the grass. And he drops the phone. He says, Andrea, I was the only person there that day. We went to the cottage. The grass was long. He mowed the word fat into the grass. And that's why I had to speak to his brother, because he, he needed to know 
beyond a doubt, you know, that yeah, he his was fine. Had survived. Yeah, he was and I remember when he told me and he explained this accident because he was killed instantly. He said, Andrea, he said, it was walking across the threshold of a room. That was it. He said, I went from this room to that room. It was that simple. And when I also asked Chloe, by the way, because I heard her so clearly, right to the last day, and then it was finished. I said, Chloe, how am I hearing you? Where are you? Like, how is this possible? So she showed me. She said, Mom, let's say this is the universe, OK? This is the whole thing, all right? She said, you're there. She said, right now, I'm right here. She said, I haven't crossed over yet because this is my mission to write this book with you. I said, I don't want to write a book. I just want to have this conversation. This is the most amazing thing. Let's just keep doing this. Right. She said, no way. She said, are you kidding? You think I went through all this for you to renege on me now? She actually got upset with me, and that didn't feel good. But that probably felt familiar. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you have such a close relationship with of the course. girls. So that's it. Wow. Yeah. Now tell everybody yeah. on the Grief and Rebirth, all the Grief and Rebirth podcast audience, how do they get a hold of Andrea Curry and how do they yes. uh, avail themselves of all your services well, and what you do? Every week we do a sound session. We do a live session. I know it's a weird time, but it's because I have lots of people who come from all over. So every Wednesday at 1 o'clock Eastern, people can join in. You can get the link on the website or send me an email. And if you want to send me an email, it's info at andreacourie.com. A-N-D-R-E-A-C-O-U-R-E-Y, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's great. And do you have an important tip for finding joy in life? Oh, or for goodness. you that's important? Mm, there's so many things. I think keep it simple. Keep it simple. You know, love really is all Don't there get is. tripped up by all the Keep it simple, stuff. yeah. Yeah. You don't need fancy rituals. You don't need, you know, expensive anything. Just keep it simple. And when you feel down or when you feel you need a boost, pick up a rose, you know? Just pick up a flower and just put your nose in that flower. That's it. It's that simple. That easy. You know, I have to say I love this quote from your book, Conversations with Chloe. Yeah. She says, death is truly a renewal of life, a continuum of the journey. There is only life after life yeah. because everyone encounters death. So I want to thank you, Andrea, from my heart for all you do help people access peace, increase their well-being, and connect with their loved ones and spirit through sound healing, for your wise and wonderful books, and for this very high vibration interview Thank today. Thank you. My pleasure. And here's a loving reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on irenewinberg.com, and make sure to follow us and like us on social at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and if you are watching us here on YouTube, please be sure to click subscribe, and there, that way you'll never miss an episode like this one with Andrea today. As I like to say, to be continued, many blessings, and bye for now. Bye for now. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Larry. Such a pleasure.